to us from the book of 1st John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 and this is the boldness we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have obtained the requests made of him this is the word of God for the people of God From the moment we are born, we start communicating. At birth, we communicate through a variety of grimaces, cries, and squirms to express a range of emotions and physical needs. By the age of 18 months, experts say we have a vocabulary of approximately 10 simple words and understand enough that we can point to specific people, objects, and body parts. And by the age of two, we are able to string together enough words to make short phrases and even to grasp abstract ideas, like the meaning of the words no and mine. Conversation, which according to Webster's online dictionary, is an informal talk involving two people or a small group of people, gets its start from these rudimentary beginnings of our childhood. We spend a lifetime perfecting the art of conversation. Think about how often we do it. Even in my most introverted and isolated times, like, for instance, my day off, a typical day's conversations may go like this. Being an early riser, I'm always the first one up in my house. So my first conversation is usually directed toward my dogs. I wake them up and wait for them to respond to me so I can get them outside. Next, I take a shower where I have a conversation with myself, ticking off the things I need to do that day, what I need to pick up the store, the menu for breakfast, and how I'm going to work my homework assignments in between everything else. Okay, so maybe these don't technically meet the definition of a conversation since no other person is involved. But if you ask my husband, I do tend to answer myself anyway. When my husband finally wakes up, the conversation actually changes into something that involves another human being. We talk about the plans for the day and the week, how my sermon has shaped up, and the latest grandbaby news and pictures. We share news about friends in Carlsbad who are suffering the effects of flooding from 18 inches of rain received in just three days. And we share inane videos that we've seen on Facebook or on YouTube. Somewhere along the way, I talk to at least one of the church members. I text my daughter and then have a long conversation with my son, discussing classes we are taking, the extracurricular activities he is involved in, and even how much weight he needs to lose before the wrestling season starts. Eventually, I get to the football stadium where I have conversations about how to get inside the stadium, how many tickets I need, and how many hamburgers I need to eat. 
and even where to sit, and whether we should cheer for the Eastwood Troopers or the Carlsbad Cavemen. As we have many friends from our former home at the football game, there are many additional conversations, even if they are limited to, hi, how are you, and it's nice to see you tonight. Finally, we get home and analyze the game until I tell my husband good night and fall into bed. By my count, that's a dozen or more conversations throughout the day. On a day that I really thought I had shut myself up in my own little private world, I sure had a lot of communication with other people. And that's okay. Conversation is how we build and maintain relationships with others. We cannot construct a friendship without first talking and getting to know one another. And we will fail to maintain any romantic relationship if we shut our partner out of our life. Healthy relationships, ones that last a lifetime, require healthy communication patterns. Webster may say that conversation is just an informal talk, but without that informal exchange, we cannot be committed to each other. Likewise, we cannot be committed disciples of Jesus Christ without some method to commune with him. Prayer is that method. Prayer is the first step in developing a personal relationship with our Savior. Yet the word prayer intimidates so many of us. So much so that a Google search on the phrase, How do I pray? leads to 18 million hits with titles that include How do I pray properly? A beginner's guide to the rosary. And how do I pray effectively? To try and counter this intimidation, self-proclaimed prayer experts have created formulae to teach us how to pray. There is the ACTS model that tells us the right way to pray is through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, or our personal requests, and it must be done in that order. There is the pray model that is similar but a little different that says, praise God and thank him for your blessings. Reveal your needs, adore God, and say yes to following the Holy Spirit. There are seven-part prayers and even prayer plans for specific outcomes. None of these in themselves is bad. However, we are given so many recipes for effective prayer that we can't possibly remember every little detail of every recipe. So we convince ourselves that we don't know what we are doing. And between the intimidation and the confusion, we often just don't know where to start. The good news, brothers and sisters, is that there is no rigid formula to prayer. There is no canned approach that you need to take. Prayer is just a simple conversation with God, the kind that you would have with a parent or a companion who has your best interests at heart. As long as we speak honestly and speak from the heart, we are well on the way to a rich prayer life, which is the first step to becoming committed disciples of our Savior. 
That being said, however, there are some things that we need to remember about prayer. First, prayer is our means of conversing with God. Conversation, by definition, requires two-way communication. Through prayer, we not only talk to God, bringing our desires and our questions to Jesus, but we also learn to hear him and understand what he is saying to us. Second, prayer is a means of glorifying God. It is not and never was intended to be just a laundry list of what we want or expect to receive from God for our own benefit. Yes, we can ask for anything, but in doing so, we need to remember God's heart, a heart that is full of unending love for his children. In asking for ourselves, we need to ask and to remember that our our petitions reflect his loving heart and glorify his name throughout the earth. Third, although God gives us permission to ask for anything, we will not always receive what we ask for. In today's scripture, John tells us, if we ask anything according to his will, and remember those words, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the requests made of him. God's will the will that I asked you to remember is for his children to grow and mature until we can consistently open our hearts to him and know his mercy, love, grace, and forgiveness. If we neglect his will and pray with selfish desires, then no becomes the only answer that is justifiable. Like a child who asks for sweets for every meal, God will deny our requests and give us what it is we need until we are mature enough to realize our needs for ourselves. Needs that include space for the Holy Spirit to bring our consciousness and our need for repentance to a renewed reliance on His grace. Prayer is our means of communicating with God. It is therefore one of the most important aspects of our Christian walk and our Christian growth. As we embark on this process to become committed disciples of Christ, we must also be committed to regular conversation with him through prayer. Growing in our discipleship commitment, therefore, requires growing in our prayer life. It is a step-by-step process. If you are new to prayer, Start by making a commitment to pray in the service on Sundays. Have a conversation with God in the moments of silence. Recite the Lord's Prayer until you know it in your heart and in your soul. And commit to using it as a guide for your personal prayers so you can learn how to ask for a daily provision of food and forgiveness as well as a general, a generous heart that extends forgiveness to others and also guidance away from pitfalls and temptations. If you already pray, commit to more of it. Commit to taking that step to pray outside of service. Commit to praying daily for others 
or commit to becoming a member of St. Luke's prayer chain. Commit to asking that your soul might be formed in Christ-likeness. And commit to glorifying God so your heart will become like his heart. Commit yourself to building an amazing relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be difficult. It just needs to be a heartfelt, two-way conversation spoken with honesty and with love. Amen and amen.